You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Brilliant. Fantastic. Hey, great to be able to bring the word this morning. Um, just a, again, I want to extend my welcome to each of you. Uh, if we haven't met yet, um, yeah, thanks for being here, coming to church this morning. Um, our heart with um, over this last, last little season... Things are changing and shifting and people are getting back into a bit of uh, normality, whatever that looks like. And uh, I think making church a priority in our lives is really, really important right now. Uh, We need these moments in this uh, world that uh, keeps changing, but we have a God who never changes. Um, But he continually brings something fresh into our lives if we would be prepared to listen and learn. Um, There are many different gifts that, that God has given his people. One of those gifts he didn't give us is the ability to get lost. All right, that's a gift that I have, a rare gift, or maybe some other husbands, males can um, testify to this. We, we don't like to ask for directions generally as males, but actually I've just got to the point where it's like, no problem. I have no problem asking people for directions because most of the time I'm not sure where I'm going. In fact, Amy and I can be driving around town. I'm like, is it left here or right? It's like you've lived here most of your life and you don't know where you're going. I don't know whether in just in that moment I just kind of lose track of space, time, direction, whether I'm not concentrating, that's probably a part of it as well. But if someone was to say, just get lost, that wouldn't be hard for me at all. In fact, I, I lose things too. Anyone else you know, lose cell phones and wallets and, and just continually losing things? Uh, we, I, I took um, Josiah and, and one of his friends to football and the mum said to me, look, could you please just make sure he remembers everything? I said, look, there is a very high chance that I may even forget to bring one of them home, let alone remember the stuff that they brought, the boots and everything like that. And so I'm like, I'll do my best. I'll try my best. So we left the ground and we had everything. I said, you've got everything. Great. Took him in the car, dropped him off. I need to realize that he left his gear in the car after he got out of the car. So even I couldn't even fulfill that. But you know what, um, there's only one person that I know that actually has a, a worse sense of direction than me, and that's Amy, and I'm married to her, so um, it's not a great partnership really, is it, darling? Um, but one of the things that, with, with 100% unerring accuracy, is when we're in a motel, and we're in the lift, and, and we've been to the room that we've been to before, like she comes out of the lift, and without a doubt, 100%, she will go in the opposite direction. I mean, there's only two I mean, it's like flipping a coin. You'd think the odds would be at least one left and right, but no, she will. It's just, it's fascinating to watch. She just goes the complete opposite direction. When we're traveling in the car and we don't know where we're going, um, in the early days of our marriage, there was some strain on our marriage, I have to say. Traveling in Auckland with those one way streets with maps. I'm not talking maps, I'm not talking maps on the app. I'm talking the maps that opened up from the passenger side door right to the driver's door. I mean, these massive big maps that you're trying to find your way. We were heading for a show, supposedly, um, in Altea Square, I think it was, and we ended up on the motorway heading south to Hamilton. I, I think we've got to give credit to Google Maps for saving a lot of marriages. I just think we just need to you know, thank Google Maps for the marriage-saving direction. <laughs> but you know, in the Bible, there's, there's a few a few stories that talk about lost people. And in fact, Jesus told three stories back to back about lost people and things. And he used these stories to communicate a very important truth, that lost people 
matter to God. Lost people matter to Jesus. And when you look at these stories, I love the fact they just kind of bounce one after the other, going from 100 to 10 to 1 or 2. I'm going to read these stories together, and, um, and then I just want to share some thoughts from these passages that hopefully will encourage every single one of us, that you matter, I matter, that we matter to God. Let's read from Luke chapter 15. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he go, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and, and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Goes on and tells, talks, talks about this next parable. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will sit out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for these stories, these parables that that teach us that lost people matter to you. That your heart is that each of us would be found by you, to know you, to have a relationship with you. Father, I pray you'd speak to every heart, those that are close, those that are far away that your love for us is so great that you would want that friendship, that relationship with your kids. In Jesus' name, amen. As we read through the Gospels, we see the, the stories that Jesus told, the parables. He used to tell, tell stories in a way that people would understand. To farmers, he'd speak about seed. To fish, fishermen, he'd speak about fishing. He would tell the stories in such a way that people would kind of understand contextualize, kind of find their, find their place in the story and go, oh, that could be me. In the parables, they taught a very simple truth, but there was a deeper kingdom truth that he was also trying to communicate. 
In this passage, Jesus talks about three things that were lost. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And I love the way it starts in that first verse. Tax collectors, this is another version, says tax collectors and notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. I mean, what an opening line. (laughs) Where do we get that notorious sinners list from? Would we find ourselves on the, kind of up on the notorious list or are we just kind of an average sinner? The reality is sin is sin, but I just love the the notorious sinners. Um, This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such despicable people, even eating with them. I mean, imagine that, eating with somebody who had sin in their life. That's me and Amy every night for dinner. (laughs) It was a problem. It was a problem to these people that Jesus would reach out and do the very basic thing of fellowship, which is to connect. And they didn't like it. But we've got an audience now, right? There's there's people can identify with it. And when he begins to tell these stories, he begins to connect to things that are very real within the people's lives. See, the first one, it speaks in some ways of the occupation that someone might have, a farmer, has sheep. His responsibility was to take care of those sheep. One of them's missing. He's not doing a good job. So that occupation is, is something that we, we, we treasure, we hold dearly. Then, it, then he talks about personal wealth with the coins. How many people like money? Everyone like money? No? Okay. So you work for free? Really? I think we all, we all like money. Money does great things. It buys food, puts petrol in our car, roof over our head, money is good. It's not bad. If it becomes all we think about and we we pursue, then yes, it is, the Bible says. We don't throw our money away, do we? We we try to treasure it as much as we can, so our wealth is important to us. And then Jesus lands the story by speaking about relationship and even a deeper relationship of Fano, a father, a son, a connection the deepest relationship that we might be able to have. So he speaks of occupation, he speaks of wealth, he speaks of our relationships. And all of these things are important. Now everybody who's listening now, they're in. They're hearing the story. It's like, wow, I can identify myself with this. And here today, all of us can identify with that. What we do is our, as our occupation, our ministry, the wealth that we have, the, the resource we have, the relationships we have, what, what, what was God saying about these things? See, the similarity is not in the objects, sheep and coins and a person. They don't really connect. The similarity is in who owned them. The one that, that it was their possession. Friends, we're all the same. We've all been lost. Some of us are lost. Some of us have been lost. And we have a father who wants us to be found. Let's look at the common things we see within these stories. And there's three things I wanted to look at this morning. The first one is they all lost something. Now you're going, this is really good preaching. Obviously, it's about lost sheep, lost coins. But in order for something to be lost, it has to first be owned. So I can't say I come out of the supermarket, oh, I lost my Ferrari. (laughs) Because I didn't have one. (laughs) I'll never have a Ferrari. I just won't own one. But, but I can't say I lost my Ferrari when I didn't have it, right? So these were possessions or people that belong to the owner. And it's important we understand this because this is the, the, the struggle that most people have. We don't believe we belong to God, that we belong to God. We are God's first. 
See, it's interesting when you look at the story of creation. God created the heavens and the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, the, the trees, the mountains, the rivers, the oceans, the animals. And to all of these, he declares, this is good. But then he works on his masterpiece. He creates Adam and Eve. He creates mankind. To this, he declares, this is very good. What I've created is better than what that was. The declaration, this is what God says about you. This is very good. You are very good. Now, our sinful nature would say we're not. But God's desire and intention for humanity is very, very good. In Psalm 139, we see this passage of Scripture. It says, you are the one who put me together inside my mother's body. And I praise you because of the wonderful way that you created me. Everything you do is marvelous. Of this I have no doubt. Nothing about me is hidden from you. I was secretly woven together deep in the earth below. But with your own eyes you saw my body being formed. Even before I was born, you had written in your book everything I would do. Now that just blows your mind, doesn't it? That God sees outside of time. Everything that we do, everything that we don't do, all the faults, all the failures, and yet his love is still there for us. Your thoughts, God, are far beyond my understanding, much more than I could ever imagine. See, God has a plan for your life, a good plan, a plan to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. But many of us, we can't see that plan because we don't see who we are. We don't see how God sees us. Uh, Jaden and I had the privilege of speaking at a uh, intermediate camp just this uh, last week. I did the Tuesday night, he did the Wednesday night. And I spoke about our identity and the importance of knowing who we are in God and how God created us. And I shared from Ephesians 2.10, which says, For you are God's masterpiece, created in his image for good purposes, for good works. And I talked about how I'd just taken up the hobby of painting again. And I said, I'm working on, you know, maybe one day I'll, I'll create a masterpiece. I said, I don't have one of my paintings here, but, but I've got a masterpiece that I'd, I'd love to share with you. Anyone want to see it? And I'm holding this picture frame up. And I've turned it around the other way so they can't see what's on the other side. And they're like, yeah, I want to see the masterpiece. So I walk down to the front row and I turn it over and it's a mirror. And this little 12-year-old girl sitting there and she sees her face in the mirror. and goes, <gasps> and some of the others hadn't seen that it was a mirror. And they're like, oh, what was that? I said, you want to see it? Yeah. So I took it over and showed it to them. And they're like, oh. A couple of them came to them. And they're like, hey. Yeah, they liked, they liked what they saw. But it was interesting to see the reactions because some were like, oh, that's hideous. And sadly, that's how some of us look at ourselves in the mirror. We look at everything that's wrong with us, the shape of our face and our nose and our eyes and our hair and the lack of hair and the height and the size. Oh. We can, look at, we can look at ourselves and go, I look hideous. Or you can look at yourself and channel your inner Joey Tribbiani. How are you doing? You know, you're a masterpiece. Come on, some of us actually need to look in the mirror and declare you are a masterpiece created by God. See, if we would take on God's way of seeing us, that's what Amy shared last week. Imagine if we could see every human being that we come across in the same way that God sees them. Every problem in our world changes because I no longer have to fear anyone. I no longer have to compete with anybody. I don't have to get upset or afraid. I, I, I just love somebody. 
I serve them. I, I, I give them my very best because they are God's masterpiece created in his image. Imagine what our world would look like. And isn't that our goal as Christians, as followers of Jesus, to live a life that would say you matter to God and so therefore you matter to me. You are God's prized possession. He will never give up looking for you. The second thing we see is that, that these things, these people never lost their value. If I held up a $2 coin, it's still $2. Chuck it in the mud, cover it in dirt, still value of $2. The value of these objects did not change. The first two, two stories, we see the, the, the farmer gets in, it's like, oh, 99 sheep. I'd go, that's pretty good odds. That'll, that'll do. 99%, that's, that's pretty good. 50% a pass rate of maths, right? So 99 is good. It'd be like me going out to the shops and come back with 66% of my kids. <laughs> Two out of three is not bad, right? <laughs> hey, I'm not that good at returning things and, and remembering things. Two out of three, that's good enough, right? No, it's not. How many people think that Amy might have a problem with that? Where's the third child? Hey, I got two out of three. What's your problem? <laughs> but what about the lost coin? Anyone gone looking for extra dollar for the KFC snack pack? Come on. I know Jaded has. <laughs> and we turn over the house just to find that extra dollar, or, or in some cases, the remote. Come on. Those remotes find their way into the worst places, don't they? Come on, it's like the sport's on, and you're like, why, where's my remote? Kids, where's the remote? I know that's, the, that's probably only me that's had that conversation. But the son in the last story, I, I find this fascinating. Because the son, he had a speech planned out. He was coming back to the father. Because he thought that the lifestyle that he'd been living equated to a different value so that he would walk back into the father's house and he wouldn't be treated like the son anymore because he didn't feel like he deserved to be the son anymore. This isn't what the father said. This is the son making up his own reason why he should be a slave and not the son anymore. This is what we do. We devalue ourselves because of what we've done and we think that we won't be accepted by God. So, so he says, I, I'm, I'm going to come up, I'm going to say to my father, I, I don't deserve to be your son, but I'll be your slave instead. So he devalues himself, and how does the father respond? I love this in verse 22, but the father said to his servants, uh-uh. he says, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. See, the robe speaks of identity and position. The father was saying, you may have reduced your value, but I haven't. I haven't reduced the value of who you are. The ring, it speaks of affection, but also authority. The authority that he carried, that he still had that position of authority within the family, the inheritance. The sandal speaks of restoration as a son. Only slaves and servants went barefoot, not the son. The son would have shoes on his feet. And friends, today God doesn't look at the things that you've done the mistakes you've made, how far you've walked away, and go, well, I'm giving you about a three out of 10 now. Your value is, it was $100, but now your value is only 50. Your value still remains the same. You are a son and a daughter of God, and you are loved with the same value when you're walking with him. And it's important we grasp this, because if we think it's any different, then we have a wrong understanding of who God is. He loves us. Like any father, he looks at our behavior sometimes and goes, oh, I wish you wouldn't do that. 
But the value is still the same. You are still the same person that God loves. And the last thing we see as the team come this morning, that heaven and earth rejoiced. Heaven and earth rejoiced. Let me read the the last bit of every story. Verse 6. When you arrived, you were called together your friends and neighbors to rejoice with you because your lost sheep was found. In the same way, heaven will be happier over one lost sinner who returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. It was a party for that 99, the one that was lost. I, I kind of read into the story sometimes and I wonder, what did they eat for the celebration? I hope it wasn't a lamb. <laughs> I hope it wasn't that lost sheep. But anyway, maybe they slaughtered the cow Maybe for that one. Overthinking it, sorry. Luke 15, 9, when she finds it, this extra coin, she will call in her friends and neighbors to rejoice. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Luke 15, 22, with the son. We must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine was dead and now he's returned to life. He was lost and now he's found. So the party began. See, when the lost has been found, we get to celebrate. And we need to make a habit of celebrating when the lost are found. We need to get excited. We need to cheer. We need to, we need to get so happy. When we hear that somebody has repented and turned back to God. Because we, we can put all of our focus and excitement and attention into things that really don't matter. Man, I get pretty excited when my team wins. I get excited when I see somebody score a try or a goal and, and, and that excitement is nothing compared to the excitement that we should feel and we should experience when one person responds to God. Come on, we've got to get better at celebrating and, and partying when we hear these stories. When you hear that story, what, do you, I mean, how is our response? It's like, oh, cool. Or is it like a, a double fist pump? It's like, yes, come on. Somebody being snatched from the pit of hell and they found eternity with their Savior. Their life will be forever in the hands of the Father. Come on, that is what we have to celebrate. That is what our lives have got to exist for. And when we get to be a part of it, when maybe we're one conversation that leads somebody to the next conversation, to the next conversation, we have no idea the little conversations. Even just saying to somebody, man, you are awesome. And they go, oh, no one has ever said that about me. Just picking somebody and just declaring life over them. You have no idea the impact that could have on somebody who's asking the question, will I even make it through this week? Reaching out to somebody, loving somebody, going on thinking about you. Come on, that makes all the difference in somebody's life if we would listen to what God's saying. In these three stories, what's Jesus talking about? He's talking about us. He's talking about every single lost person that found a home, that found forgiveness, found freedom. How do we get lost? Although we were God's children and we are God's children, sin entered the world through our our choices. Adam and Eve, they chose to sin. That choice is necessary for us to be able to love. You can't love without choice. It's, it's It's a... horrible paradox (laughs) that you got to wrestle with if I had to love Amy there would be nothing emotionally that draws us together but it's a choice to love it's a choice to obey it's a choice to follow 
And it's a beautiful gift that we're given, that gift of choice. But with that choice, we walked away from God. But God's saying, please return. Your value's still the same. Your sin can be forgiven. Every wrong can be made right. And it has been once and for all through Jesus' death on the cross. Friends, forgiveness is extended to you and to me. And today, I want us to do something in a moment. We're going to stand in the team. We're going to sing a song called Come to the Altar. It's an invitation for those that are close, those that are far. Wherever you find yourself in your relationship with God, if today God has moved your heart, has stirred you, would you take a faith step, an action step, and say, God, I want to get closer to you. I want to be near you. I want to respond that my life will be closer. As as Jane said, leaning in. Leaning in, not leaning back, but leaning in to everything that God's got for you. So would you stand to your feet? And as they begin to sing, just come, come to the altar. Come and receive the love, the forgiveness. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ, come. Maybe you have, and yet today you just know that this is your faith step saying, God, I'm returning back to relationship with you again. And then Jane will come and close the service. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.